0: This is Anchored in Christ, the sermon podcast that gives you hope in the gospel as an anchor for your soul. Brought to you from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. On this Reformation Sunday, on this All Hallows Eve, when we remember the saints that have gone on before us, we continue our journey through the acts of the apostles, the acts of the Spirit, in exploring what is this thing we call the church. And really, that is the question that in many ways describes the Reformation itself. What is this thing we call church? It's a reminder to get back to the basics, which is why we're exploring the book of Acts. Acts. So here's our second lesson this morning from the Acts of the Apostles, the fourth chapter verses one through 12, and listen for God's word. While Peter and John were speaking to the temple, to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came to them much annoyed. Because they were teaching the people and proclaiming that in Jesus there is the resurrection of the dead. So they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who heard the word believed, and they numbered about 5,000. The next day, their rulers, elders, and scribes assembled in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. When they had made the prisoners stand in their midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are questioned today because of a good deed done to someone who was sick and are asked how this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that this man standing before you in good health by the name of the Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders. It has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So did anyone watch Captain Kirk go into space a few weeks ago? Let me clarify that because for space purists, it's more like a quick ride and a return. But 90-year-old William Shatner, yes, Captain Kirk, went off on Jeff Bezos' Blue Origin rocket and truly experienced space, the final frontier. I don't know if you saw any of his comments after he returned, but he was visibly moved, saw the fragileness of the planet and the need to take care of it He was in tears, he was crying. Captain Kirk, Bill Shatner came back a reformed and transformed person. All you Trekkies out there know about Star Trek history and theory and themes. You've gone to comic, anybody gone to a comic con, like Big Bang Theory people? No. But we have the familiar characters of Bones and Scotty, Chekhov and Aurora, and of course Spock and Captain James T. Kirk of the Starship Enterprise. The close-knit community, the sense of idealism and adventure, the desire, let's say it together, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Space, the final frontier. Here's a shameless link. Because it's kind of like the Acts of the Apostles. This New Testament book, as we know, contains stories from the earliest days of the church with the well known characters of Peter and John, Stephen, Paul, Philip, Lydia. It's a book of origins, more than just a blue origin rocket including the events that launched the greatest spiritual adventure of all time. It's a new mission to a new frontier. And in Acts 4, the future begins with a showdown between the apostles and the Jewish council in Jerusalem. This text, in many ways, marks the first break from Judaism for for these early followers of the way. Peter and John have just healed a lame man in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth and has begun to preach about the resurrection. How dare they? The leaders of Jerusalem arrest them and put them in custody and they have them stand before the council in kind of like a a pre-trial hearing. the Jewish leaders feel threatened by the healing and the preaching done by Peter and John, so they ask them that glorious question, by what power or by what name do you do this? They don't know exactly what they're dealing with here. And you hear Peter. Rulers of the people and the elders, says Peter, after being filled with the Holy Spirit, if we're questioned today because of a good deed done to someone who is sick, and ask how this man was healed, let this be known to you. And here he goes, to you and to all the people of Israel, that this man standing before you is in good health by whose power and by whose name? The name of Jesus Christ, whom God raised from the dead. Again, in that statement, Peter goes boldly where no one has gone before, proclaiming the healing and saving power of Jesus to the rulers and the elders, the scribes and the priests in Jerusalem, the powers and principalities that were standing before them and threatened by that reality. But Peter makes clear that he and his fellow apostles are on a mission to heal and not to hurt. He begins by talking about the good deed done to someone who was sick. Then he speaks the truth, saying that this man standing before you in good health by the name of Jesus is Nazareth. Peter does not hide the source of his power, but is honest about where this healing power comes from. Then Peter reminds the Jewish leaders that they are responsible for Jesus's death. But he does this in a way that shows them a new path. This Jesus, is the stone that was rejected by you, the builder, says Peter. It has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, but there is, there is no, for there is no other name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be saved. Look at that. Peter corrects the Jewish leaders without condemning them. Instead, he gives them a way to turn themselves around, to be reformed and transformed, and begin to follow Jesus. Which is probably what we should be doing too. Giving people a way to follow Jesus. That is such a Captain Kirk-like approach to conflict. One commentator on Star Trek said that James Kirk's mission was to explore the final frontier, not to conquer it. Week after week he confronted the specters of intolerance and injustice and week after week found a way to defeat them without ever becoming them. The guy says Jim Kirk may have beat up his share of a few bad guys, but he could never imagine torturing them. But both the Apostle Peter and Captain Kirk were on a mission to heal and not to hurt. They spoke the truth and were honest about who they were in their mission. They corrected people without condemning them and always gave them a way to turn themselves around. We could do worse than to look to Captain James T. Kirk as a model for faithful Christian outreach. Bear with me a little here. But perhaps it's no mistake that his last name is Kirk. Any of you know the name in Scottish for the word church? Kirk. Captain Kirk. Captain Church. So, what could it mean for us To be the Kirk of Jesus Christ today. To be a church with a message of healing and hope. To reach out with a sense of idealism and adventure and boldly go where no Kirk has gone before. Are we prepared to share? Indeed, a shameless plug for the course that's coming up in a couple weeks, but that's what we talk about in that course. Are we prepared to be the Kirk and to share our stories? Because in order to do that, we have to begin with a desire to heal and not to hurt. Donald Miller says that all great leaders are simple thinkers, he says. They actually believe that when Jesus says, feed the poor, he means that you should do this directly. It's a reminder to us that what I believe is not what I say I believe. What I believe is what I do. That's what John was getting to in his letter. his letter. It's not just what we believe, it's how we share it, how we live it, how we act in self-sacrificial love. What we believe is what we do. Feed the hungry, house the homeless, heal the sick. Actions do speak louder than words. We see that right here and right now as sandwiches are offered. Love is shared through Sunday sandwiches as we engage in mission throughout the world and here in Newburyport. And it's also important to be clear about the source of our healing power in Jesus of Nazareth. We're not just freelance do-gooders or independent charitable contractors. Instead, we are ambassadors for Christ. And apart from him, we can do nothing of any lasting good. It is so important for us to speak truth about the source of our power and be honest with others about our reliance on Jesus. Our effectiveness comes from our true and real connection to Christ. And this is nothing to cover up or feel embarrassed about disclosing or sharing. We should be as bold as Peter in proclaiming, let this be known to all of you, that this good health has come and healing has come by Jesus of Nazareth. And again, we are challenged in these words to correct our opponents without condemning them and to present the truths of our faith in a clear and compelling way. Peter does conclude his speech to the council with the words, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no one under heaven by which which we must be saved. Now, these are strong words, and they may seem overpowering to some, but again, there is a nuance in the original Greek that is lost when it gets translated into English, because the word for saved at the very end of this verse in verse 12 can be again translated as healed. What Peter is saying is that there is no other name under heaven by which we must be healed. Every one of us needs healing of some kind. Physical, mental, emotional, relational, spiritual healing. All of us are broken in some way. And all of us want our shattered pieces to be put back together in body, mind, and soul. The offer of healing is one that can be made without condemning people or putting them on the defensive. Especially when it is done with love and a clear concern for their welfare and a clear concern that all of us by our nature are broken. And only Christ can make us whole. So that when we present the truths of our faith, we should do it in a way that co- carries with it the promise of healing and hope and a more abundant life. Because Jesus came so that everyone could be healed and made whole. That's the essence of what it means to be reformed and reforming as a church. The message of the Reformation rings true for all of us today. Saved by grace through faith, and called to serve and make a difference in this world. It's a call to follow Jesus and the apostles in the constant need for renewal and transformation and lovingly speaking the truth to the powers and principalities, both internal and external. How is the Kirk? How is the church with a capital C? How is the church in this country and nation living in and speaking to the church and nation and society in ways that promote salvation and reconciliation, in building up rather than tearing down, in creating unity and diversity rather than division and exclusion? That's a question I ask myself every day when I read the paper, as I watch the news. It's a calling for us as churches in this land for a new reformation that speaks out lovingly and understandably on issues of racism and exclusion, gender orientation, and to speak out against those folks who align themselves in order for their own profit and gain. Indeed, the world needs a message of healing and hope, a sense of idealism and adventure, and a challenge to boldly go where no one has gone before. Let's be the Kirk of Jesus Christ and no one other. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. If you'd like more information about our historic church, or you'd like to find out more about the gospel of Jesus, please visit our website at oldsouthnbpt.org. The peace of Christ be with you.